the point that we've been dealing with over the last couple of weeks <coughs> we've been playing around with this idea of how our choices affect us what those choices are and the starting realization we arrived at in our last time together was that the gift of choice is essentially the gift of stupidity we would not be able to choose so that would mean that what we knew, what we understood, and when we saw the cause and effect, we would respond intuitively to that cause and effect, to that rationality. The gift of freedom of choice is the fact that there can be clear causality, and we will do something which flies direct in the face of it. That's called stupidity. Stupidity means that there's an inability to integrate the reality of this as self-destructive behavior. Only a stupid person does that kind of behavior. This is going to destroy you. Okay, well, shall I do it? Well, why not? Because it's going to destroy you. Yeah, but you know, but you know what? But you know, there's no kind of, there's no, there's no conclusion. There's no, there's no rational explanation that accompanies that self-destructive behavior. It's, it's, you yeah, but it's like going to really going to mess you up. You say, doesn't uh, kill you, it makes me stronger. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Stupidity embodied. No, you personally, <laughs> just your, just your statement. So I want, you to take, I want you to take this a little bit further and trying to understand the mechanics of self in a specific area. And given the ability of freedom of choice, and let's say that that freedom of choice allows us to be stupid, and obviously the goal is to rise above the stupidity that choice provides us with and to <coughs> fight the inclination not to measure out cause and effect, and to see things for what they really are. This is linked into another aspect, which I want to... It's a little bit early on in your own personal journeys to feel the pain that I feel right now. Because you haven't, perhaps, been around long enough to appreciate what Musa is, or been exposed to it, to know that it's a profound and powerfully important life-changing lessons um, and therefore you won't understand the passion that I have when I speak to you about the fact that in the world out there there's a tremendous travesty going on. That people look at Musa Svarim as being works of religiosity. Mm-hmm. Works of being works of handbooks for self-perfection which when you're in that mood so then you can really engage in them when I'm feeling from and religious a Musa book is the best thing to pick up because I say from and he says from and we say from together yeah but when I have to really deal with the harsh realities of life for example the fact that I'm a low down dirty creep so then I won't go near a Musa book because a Musa book speaks to the lofty self who's in the, and that essentially means that we take this incredibly powerful medium of change and we don't use it because it's really aimed at the time when I feel like I'm a nothing and I'm useless and, and I'm under the threat and I'm completely caught up in my world of, of yutsorium and tithers and negative things and then the Muslim Savior says don't worry, come with me and I'll lead you out of it so I want to give you one example it's an example that we've dealt with and perhaps pondered, but I'd like to demonstrate in the words of the Mrs. Shorim, um, there's this 
ridiculous, stupid notion that's prevalent in the world at large. Um, it's called self-esteem. People are intoxicated by the idea. They feel that self-esteem is like the panacea which will cure all ills. And to the degree that you have to make sure that you don't ruin a person's self-esteem. And self-esteem is so important. Without self-esteem, a person is going to be terrible. And going self-esteem is one of the most destructive, devilish things a person could ever come in contact with. It is essentially the antithesis of all spiritual growth. What you say? But but if you don't have self-esteem, then you'll you'll just you'll do nothing because you won't you won't be able to to get a job interview to to speak to a person on the bus. To self-esteem is so important. No, it's not true. You can have no self-esteem and be completely charged, inspired, productive in life. What's my proof? Well, one of the greatest men that ever, ever stepped foot on this planet, his name was Moshe, and we call him Rabbeinu. It's a title of honor. Now, to still be powerfully impressing and guiding the Jewish people 3,000 years later, it's not bad. And the thing about Moshe Rabbeinu is he, he had the worst self-esteem ever available. His self-esteem was rock bottom. And I'll bring you a proof from the verse. The verse says that Moshe Rabbeinu was Anov Mikol Adam. He is more humble than any other man that stepped foot on this earth. Anov means, and I'll read you the words of the first time, let you say, no, self-esteem is dead, Anov means this, you went to this, i read you what the Messiah Shalom says about what Novani means. Anova means the following thing, okay? Hine, behold. Klalha Novahu. This is what Anova is about. Heyois Ha'adam. Bilti Machshiv Atzmoi Mishum Tam Sheh. A person does not esteem himself for any reason in the world. When he thinks he's clever, he thinks, doesn't make a bit of difference. What is gaiva? Gaiva, which is the opposite of anova. Arrogance, pride, gaiva. Don't use those words in English, they don't do justice. Gaiva is self-esteem. What does self-esteem mean? That a person is esteeming himself for whatever reason there is. Anova means that I can be the most talented individual across the board and do you know how I feel about it? Zero. Zero. I feel nothing. I'm the greatest leader on the planet. I've been chosen to get the Jews out of Egypt. How do I feel? What does it make me feel like? Zero. Absolutely nothing. How good do I feel about myself? Zero. No good now about myself. So he's like, oh, but remember, <laughs> that's so depressing. If I don't feel good about myself, I won't be able to wake up in the morning. I won't be able to get out of bed stupid, addicted, self-esteem addicts you are. You're addicted to self-esteem. You're addicted to the lure of your own personal self-aggrandizement. Say I. Say I. Say I. The great I says it. Not that I'm not addicted. Ha, ha, ha. Says Mr. Simon, an amazing idea. That anova means that you look at yourself and no, it doesn't mean that you are ignorant 
A or blind B to your talents. You are completely aware, acutely aware of your power, of your talents, of your brains, of your brawn. And he's explaining each one of those shortly. So then why are you an on of? Because it's the way you look at them. How do you feel about them? How do you feel about them? And I'll give you an analogy. Gil, imagine you were, and you're not, just imagine for one moment that you were a lowly messenger man, but trustworthy, give you that. And you worked for a high-end company, and they needed a check to be deposited in the bank. They said, sorry, Gil, do you mind taking this over to Chase Manhattan on 72 34th Street? Just guessing. And um, you say, no problem. And you're walking on the way there, and you've got this, like, tempting. So, all right, we've got to see how much this check is worth. The check is worth it. You open up, a, you open up the envelope. You'll really seal it, don't worry. And you look inside. It says, $100 million. And you carry $100 million around with you. Oh, my gosh. How do you feel? You feel they trust you a lot. Do you feel rich? Why? You've got a hundred million dollars in your pocket. Why don't you feel rich? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Because it's not mine. Welcome to Humility 101. Let's escape the addiction to self-esteem 101-2. This. We have many talents. The difference between humility and gaiva is who do those talents belong to? The minute I take credit for a talent which I didn't make, it was given to me, and I say, this is mine, self-destruction, you enter into the trap, the spiral of self-esteem. You esteem the fact that you have a talent. Esteem means I make it something important. I am so good-looking. I really am. Why are you smiling? <laughs> I'm so good looking. I'm good looking. <laughs> when you get this point. <laughs> I've struggled for this for like decades. I'm good looking. So <laughs> um, when I own that for myself, I'm strong, I'm intelligent, I'm capable, I'm wealthy. Any gift, any talent, any power that I have is me taking care of someone else's check. Whose check is it? It's Hashem's check. What's he said? He said, listen. Listen, he takes this amorphous body and he says, I'm going to, I'm going to help you out here. I'm going to give you these things because I want you to do something. So I'm going to lend you, I'm going to lend you tools because you need them for your mission. Imagine this, Mikey. Okay, imagine that you, you think to yourself, okay, I want to really kind of stretch myself. I'm going to join the Israeli army. You join the Israeli army and you don't realize there's a James Bond division. <laughs> One day the commander comes over to you and says, Mikey, you say, Hineni. <laughs> he says, no longer shall your name be Mikey. You are now 007. You say, indeed. <laughs> you go over to the, to the supply system, to like, you know, to Mrs. Podgy Bodgy. What's her name? Q. 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 Q.
Mrs. Q? Come on. Go, And they give you like all these like fantastic like new super advanced spy weapons. Pins and like, you know, like they insert like this little like crossbow in your eyebrow. <laughs> you know, like when you like when you when you lift your eyebrow, like you can like shoot these like micro arrows into people's eyes. Whoa, this is so awesome! And they say the reason why we're giving you these things is because uh, we want you to go, you know, rescue the princess or whatever. Always, <laughs> always, always a princess in one form or another, isn't there? So, so you've got like all these tools, and then like you're feeling like really whoa, 007 and then instead of like going on your mission, you like just go like you call up the boys and you say, Oaks, look what I got! <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you do something like, you know, some eyebrow like crossbow shooting you know, into, like, at the bar and, like you pierce a beer bottle. Uh-huh. That's, that, that, like if they caught you, that's, that's abuse. We didn't give you these things for your own use. We, give these, we gave you these things so you could use them as, to do the mission. If you're not doing the mission, what am I giving them for you for? <clears throat> you with me? So too! So too. So too, Andrew. Today we should take the little Andrew soul and says, I'm going to give you high level of high IQ. I'm going to give you a good nature. And this is what I want you to do with it. And then you say, instead of, oh, I'm going to use things, you say, hey guys, look at me, hey? <laughs> You're so stupid. I'm so clever. You're so selfish. I'm so generous. And you like get into that whole thing. Boom. Boom. No, no, you should feel nothing. You should feel, what should you feel? This is how you feel it, and this is the difference. You should feel responsible. You should feel empowered. You should feel driven. Here we go. In the words of the Ramchal. This is the Ramchal. Kinei, Mishabal Seichel. person is really bright. Because he knows more than other people. Is it a big deal? No, it's not a big deal. Why? Because that's the machine that God made. Like a bird that flies because it was made that way. Imagine like a bird said, <laughs> Look at me! Look at me! Flying high above me! Big deal, but... You're given wings. You're given wings. We don't like say, oh, two legs. I got two legs. Some people with one leg. I got two legs. No big deal. That's the way you're made. That's the way you're made. So a person was made clever. So why, what's the big deal? If we should a person's built really well. person's built really well. person's like a really kind of brawny fellow. Saying 007 again. <laughs> can barely miss those biceps bulging from underneath the tablecloth that you sew into a shirt. <laughs> Pleasure. A person who's wise, it's because his nature, his construction brings him to that. And the person that he's looking down on that doesn't have his brains, if he'd be given the brains that he'd been given, so he'd be as clever as him. <laughs> Isn't that a brilliant way of thinking? So you see someone, you think, oh, that guy's so, I'm so clever, I'm so clever. The guy takes time 10 times, his processing time is like 10 times slower than me. <laughs> he says, no, why? 
Well, because Hashem gave you a quick processor, he gave him a slow processor. He could have given you the slow processor and the quick processor. <laughs> so what difference does it make? There's nothing intrinsically about you, about him. Just Hashem said, no, you do this, you do this. So then he says the vort. He says like this. In Cain, ain't can mock his nasty guys. Therefore, there's no reason to lord yourself above others and to get all hitted up, to get all self-esteemed, kite ishish. No, 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 no nafkamin, no nafkamin, no nafkamin. Doesn't mean you're the cleverest man, in the world, cleverest man in the world or the stupidest. You're exactly the same. Hashem programmed you to do that, and He programmed you to do that. What's the big deal? So, what's the difference if I'm clever or stupid? What's a nafkamin la loche? Put in your shivers. <coughs> If you are taka brilliant, what should you do? Teach someone something you know. What does that mean? It means the reason why you're given talents wasn't for yourself, it was for your mission. It's the only reason. You're given talents not for you, for others. Not for you, for others. As Rabbi Yochim Mizaka says, look how he says in the Pazak. You learned lots and lots of Torah. You should be proud. You should feel good. No, forget that. Don't get all apathy. That's what you're made to do. That was part of your making. What's the big deal? You're built that way. You're built that way. How dare you lord yourself over by others? In Ashir, if you're rich, fascinating. The first thing the Ramchal says is be happy with what you have. Meaning, there's some people who are rich and they beat themselves up or they're super from. Eh, I can't believe I'm rich, I can't believe I'm rich, I can't believe I'm rich. Pass me another single multi. I can't believe I'm rich. Can't. They, beat them, they beat themselves up. They beat themselves up because they feel guilty about being rich. Their Ramchal says, no, if you're rich, you should be rich. HaKadosh Baruch made you rich. The reason why you feel bad about being rich is because you made yourself rich. <laughs> believe me. The reason why you're rich has got nothing to do with you. There are so many millions of variables that actually turned your fort- way the fortune turned out. You could have been dirt poor the same way you could be rich. So you're rich because Hashem made you be rich. So okay, enjoy. But, but help people who don't have. That's why you're given the wealth. Not that you can hit, kick yourself and say, eh, why am I so rich? It's terrible. I should be poor. No, you should be rich. But use it. In Gibor, if you're like super strong, back to 007. Yes, um, you should help people. Rescue people. If you know Tachi. <laughs> what is a similar to? To people in the, the servants in the homes. Each one's got a different position. Do your job. Do your job. And then the whole thing will function. Imagine a corporate. In a corporate, you've got to know what your job is. If you're in a corporate, do you know what you can do? You can take the company credit card and you can go buy things, provided you're working for the company. You've got all the facilities in the world. And then when everyone does their job, boom, the company makes a profit. So what do you have to realize? You have to realize what you have, what you can use. Now, this is where I get to the point of this is just an example of a much bigger problem. This, what we just shared over here, this message that the Ramchal has given us, is worth gold. Worth gold. If we'd be marketing this in some like fancy, high-end, corporate structure, this would be, how much would we take for this course? And how much, how much would we take for this course? This would be like, per participant, $1,000, easy. Seminar, Seminar on self-discovery, rediscovery. Seminar on motivation. Seminar on creating meaningful existence. Guys, coming here, $1,000 a piece, two-hour session. 
well worth it. This is life-changing stuff. Redefining your entire relationship with every point. And do you know how empowering it is? Do you know how empowering it is to know that you don't have to keep on going in that stupid self-esteem pendulum? Because what happens in the self-esteem pendulum? So then you feel good about yourself. But not everything about you is always good. So when your emotional stability is based on your talents and you feel good when you feel good because you've done something great and you feel bad when you... So then what happens is you walk into the morning and you think that you're socially like you're the best oak in the world. Socially you're just the best. You walk into the room and like no one could no say hello to you. Plummet. And then you walk in another room and everyone says, hi, hi, rocket. Plummet, rocket, plummet, rocket, plummet, rocket. Same thing with intelligence. Sometimes you're clever, sometimes you're stupid. Even if you're clever, you can be sometimes stupid. Same thing with wealth. Sometimes you're rich, sometimes you get poor. How are you going to live? Well, again, if yourself is locked up in saying, the instrument is me, it's not for a purpose, so then your life is a nightmare. If yourself is locked up into a much deeper place, it's not there. I'm in the Shoma. But I've got to do something. What do I have to do? What's my direction? Okay, this is what you do. Look at what you have. Everything you have is a tool. What can you use it for? Like this. If you love the smell of timber, you're six foot eight. <laughs> built like a bulvan. And there's nothing more you enjoy than the swinging of the axe and the sound of the cracking trees. Should become a computer program. <laughs> look at look at your look at your kochas, and there are arrows pointing the direction. And look at all your talents. And when you see a talent, go into it. Be Don't say eh, I'm too humble. I'm not going to look at my talent. Idiot. That's because you think it's your own. That false kind of humility. Do you understand? The false humility is no. I don't like talking about my milers. Why? Why? That's your tools. Oh no no I'm just. That means you think that they're yours and if I have to hide them because otherwise I'm going to be all arrogant. If I te- no, idiot. It's not yours. Someone gave you the check to carry. Imagine like the guy's carrying the check and someone says, what's in the envelope? So, oh, I can't say what's in the envelope. <laughs> no, I'm taking a $10 million check from this guy. I mean, you shouldn't tell it to a person like he's got like, you know, his masks and he's carrying a gun. That's not a good idea. But. So this is the point I'm trying to bring out is that people think about Musa as being from. No, 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 no. Mistake. This is not from. This is real. This is a much better, more effective. Then you can read every self-help book in the world. You can go on three Dale Carnegie courses. You can go to 15 Tony Robbins' Dates with Destiny. And you'll be broke. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you'll be walking up and down coals like no one's business yeah? what do you mean I love when, like, when you cool down you say I don't need aircon I need coals right? it's not going to help it's not the same it's not the same it's not nearly as powerful it's not nearly as profound it's not nearly as this is a real thing this is connecting to the reality of realities oh my gosh this is amazing and do you know what you can probably buy this book for like 20 shekels so you're joking a book like that must cost millions of dollars what do you mean it's the secret to life no, it's 20 shekels. That's 20 Hebrew. shekels. Yeah, it's Hebrew. Oh, you have to know Hebrew. Like 60 shekels. Oh, English. So the English doesn't help you because it doesn't tell you what the book's about. But, um, but it's great to write what someone else thinks what the book is about. So you have to get in Hebrew. It's 20 shekels. So the truth is that it's going to cost you... May, the book costs you 20 shekels, but then you have to like, invest the thousands of dollars into learning Hebrew and stuff. But otherwise, good, good. And spending time... That's what it is. So what's happened? What's happened is as follows. People have are going in with the wrong paradigm 
and they're going in with oh, most of the books are from books, they're going to make me from, so they look at the book as being from, and then it spits back to them from things. When you think it's telling you from kite, it will tell you from kite. When you think it's telling you the most amazing life lessons, it will tell you the most amazing life lessons. So let's shift that paradigm, please. I want you to shift this paradigm for yourself, and I want you to spread the word. Tell people a Musa book is not a cookbook to make you into a canadal. What do people think? Got to be a canadal. General from physique is Kanaidlach. Okay, no worry. Got to work on that. Um, so that's a really important lesson. Now, how does this lesson we relate relate back to what we we're talking about previously? So let's think about what we we're talking about previously, and let's see where where it gets us. But just just maybe let's have a deep breath, a deep breath, and. How 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 does that how did everyone how do you all feel about that like like mini diabolic diatribe? Gil, how do you feel about that? That was like just the share, you know what I'm saying? Like this whole thing that I've just been speaking about. Interesting. Nice idea. It's good. How did you feel about Mary Yaakov Leib Um I think it's I think it's level to achieve. I don't think it's practical at the moment to do something like that for most of us. So that's that that that's something which is which is probably the best thing anyone could say in this context. Um, meaning, here I am selling real estate that no one can buy. Hi guys, this is an amazing thing. I've got this house on Crete. It's beautiful swimming pool. Crete. Oh, there's like. Outside of Israel and South Africa, there's like a world, lots of countries. Yeah. So you, you're American. No, you're American. Why should you know what Crete is? 100%. That's that's perfectly legitimate. So if someone comes, if someone comes to you, Rabbi, try mention Turak to them. You did say Turak. Turak. You don't even know what Turak is. It's a neighborhood, no? Neighborhood, it's a neighborhood, Melbourne, Melbourne neighborhood. No, but who should know that? Like, it's a stupid thing to know. So I'm saying, like, that's exactly what I'm saying. People, people shouldn't know, shouldn't know about Australia. It's a non-country. It's a non-country. What do you mean, Crete's important? What? What? gone? If somebody, if somebody comes to you and says, "Wow, you, you're very smart," you're, give you a compliment. Me personally, thank you. Oh my gosh. But you can't. No. What? What do you say? You have to give a normal response. Someone says, you, you know you're really smart. Yeah, you say, so why, this, is, this is what happened to Rabbi Israel. Yeah. Right? Someone said to him, you know Rabbi, they said, Rabbi Israel Salanta, he's a genius. He's an absolute genius. There's like stories and stories and stories. One of the famous stories that everyone knows is that he, in order to spread the Muslim movement, he needed to gain legitimacy as a real Talmud Chochem. So the first years of him, he he built a reputation for himself. He'd go from city to city giving Talmudic discourses. Profound, in-depth, blew everyone off their feet. And they used to post up so people could research it before and they used to post up his sources beforehand. So a couple of jokers decided to play a joke on him. And of course, they were jokers. And they, um, they took the sources and they completely just wrote a random set of sources. And he'd like, pick up the page that the source had been written on and then stand in front on the podium and then give the discourse. So he had the sources in front of him, and um, there was this pause, like a two-minute pause. And then he gave the discourse based on the sources in front of him, and it was unbelievable. And the student came to him afterwards and said, 
Rebbe, why did you, why did you pause? So he said, because they switched around all the sources. I, I had to, you know, the sources weren't the same source I gave. So he says, so you mean you had to rethink the droshes? He said, no. He said, I knew that the people that switched around would realize that I'd actually completely built my drosh of something which was completely anticipated. And I thought maybe it would be arrogant for me to do that. That's why I hesitated. And then decided whatever it was for the good of the people, I'd actually go ahead with it. The decision wasn't like he needed two minutes. So they came up to, they came up to Israel and they said, you know, Israel, you have the head of two men, which is the form way of saying you're, you're like a double Einstein. Um, and when Israel heard that, he went white. He said, that means I've got the job of two men. So, so if someone, if you're really in touch with this, if someone gives you a compliment, you should go, oh, oh this is trouble. As opposed to, <laughs> thank you. Like I respond, right? When you right. say, when even yeah, as a like joke, you told me I was clever. I thought, maybe he means, it. Oh, I love it. Maybe, like, maybe he's Tucker serious. Maybe I really am that brilliant. It's, what, it's just what Confirmation. Are we Confirmation. You yes, Tuvia. So it seems like so far we've talked about, you know, dealing with someone's coho, someone's strength. But what about someone's weaknesses? How do you deal with that? It seems like, based on what you're saying, that we would take weaknesses and just kind of like, oh, well, I'm not good at this, so I'm just going to totally avoid that area of life. Oh, brilliant. So this is what happens, right? Just like your weaknesses, just like your strengths don't belong to you, they're just there to assist you in your purpose. Bingo. So to your weaknesses. You say, what? How can my weaknesses help me? My weaknesses stop me from being helped. No, no, no. And let's watch how they marry together. So let's say you have a person, just a person, that loves doing chesed. Just a random person who loves doing chesed, helping people. Someone random. But that same person, that same person has a trait of laziness. A random person. Likes doing chesed on the one hand, but he's lazy on the other. Incredible talent, major fault. So he said, okay, talent's amazing, but what about the fault? This is how it works. So he's got this talent. Because the talent is so strong, even when it's opposed by this other thing which is so strong, the talent pushes it over. And he says, you know what? I would like to stay in bed, but there's someone that needs my help. And through him focusing on his talents, he's able to rectify all the midas royce, all his bad traits, by focusing on his good traits. And then do you know what happens? perfects himself, but more than that, those negative traits sharpen and give a completely new power to his good traits. So actually the negative traits assist the person in his purpose as much as the positive ones do. Whoa. Another thousand dollars for that. Per person. That was very good. Per person. Pay out. <laughs> Go, good, good. Yes. Moshe, Moshe. Um, so, how do you know that for example, me, when I appreciate something I do, like, for, some, for example, someone says, oh, you're really good at learning Gemara. When I was... Learning, you're not, don't worry. Bad example. So, I, for example, I'm going to use myself as an example. Fine, fine, we're just using so it. I started out in public school and I didn't know Hebrew at all. Right. So, I, I would imagine from where I started, what I was given, I didn't know Hebrew. So, I made the choices... To learn Gemara, improve my Hebrew, learn Gemara, Hebrew, whatever it is. Right. And now I'm here and I could semi very badly semi. learn it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, when, when someone says, like, oh, you're good at learning Gemara, I become happy that I was able to make that choice to do that. Is that wrong? Amazing. To do? That's great. 
It's great. In those act, just act. Let me say, no, 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 no. Happiness is not self-esteem. Happiness is not arrogance. Look what he says about the person who's rich. He says, when you're rich, you should be happy that you're rich. When you're clever, you should be happy that you're clever. It's amazing. Oh my gosh, when you're given a tool, you should be happy that you've been given the tool. But just don't think it's not a tool. In other words, like this, happiness is a product of self-fulfillment. So on the contrary, the more you get in touch with your traits, the happier you'll be. As the old song goes, the more you get into traits, the happier you'll be. Because your <laughs> traits are good traits, and good traits make you good. The more, sorry. <laughs> amazing, yeah, that's amazing, amazing. Um, so I want you to think about that. I want you all to think about everything. And um, yeah, so, so look forward to seeing you here tomorrow with the help of Hashem in increments of two minutes from, starting from 12.30. <laughs> <laughs>